the pattern, it always comes from beliefs that we have about ourselves and beliefs that we have about our children. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. Are you getting ready for Christmas? It's coming up so soon. It feels like this month has flown by. Yes, yeah, we're getting ready for Christmas. The twins have not told me that have not told us yet by the time that we're recording this podcast episode. Um, but and I don't know what I want for Christmas either. So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have a wall change behind me. I'm actually getting a neon sign that says "Cycle Breaker" because oh, I'm that's amazing! Proud, <laughs> and I think I'm gonna do it on a greenery wall. I have some some ideas, so I'm excited about. That. So talking about Cycle Breaker, we are coaching Francesca. So it was very interesting how we got to, to know her. I hopped on a live, on an Instagram live, who wants parenting coaching right now? And then she said, me, I'm in Italy. And now she's here. Um, and I cannot wait to learn more about her family, what her desires are, her struggles. And hopefully we, we get to to the solutions, some solutions for her and her family in her Parenting with Understanding journey. Before we go into coaching, we want to remind you that some big shifts are happening within HIC Parenting Education in January that we are so incredibly excited about. At the end of January, HIC Parenting is launching their very first coaching program where you're going to get a coach holding your hand along the way as you transform your parenting. Normally, what you get right now from HIC is maybe self-paced programs that you can go through at your pace. But what about if you had a parenting coach every single week coaching you and holding your hand, answering your questions? Basically doing what we're going to do today with Francesca on a weekly basis. Yeah, that's going to be our coaching program launching on 2023. We are going to give you more details as the time comes, but we are very excited about this new program in HIC Parenting. It's going to be transformational because, again, it's the first time that we are walking you through the program together, the coach and uh, alongside you. Okay, so let's go with Francesca. Hi, Francesca. We're so excited that you're here. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm excited too. It's going to be really awesome. And I'm, I am proud of you for being so brave and bold to just jump in alive and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do coaching right here, right now on the spot. I want it. So that's really brave of you. And we're just really excited and very honored to get to walk through this process with you. Thank you. I can't wait. I like... I love my children so much. I'm an early childhood educator and I want to be my best and keep on learning and everything. It, every challenge for me is a new way of expressing myself and I want to do it the better. So can you please let us know about your family? How many children do you have? A little bit about each one of them. Uh, do you live with 
with, with your co-parent. How is that, that dynamic among the both of you if you do? Okay, so I'm 34 years old. I have two children. My older, uh, my youngest is four years old. She is Clarissa, and uh, her brother is Diego. Uh, he's six years old. So we wanted them so badly. Uh, we've been trying for years. Uh, we were living at the time in Canada, and it was not easy. We had four miscarriages, and I was really blaming myself, but. It, we did everything we could, all the exams, everything was totally fine and normal. I never been a drinker or never did any drugs. I'm healthy, I do sports, so for me it was kind of hard. But when we we conceived Diego, uh, we moved back to, to Italy because for us was, we thought it was a big part of all the stress and everything but when i was a six month pregnant i almost lose him as well so it was hard and I, i've been hospitalized for three months and my anxiety was like level a million i had a section so basically after being hospitalized and in bed for three months for me it was even hard to walk around and I live in a really steep, steep, steep how, uh, laneway, so it was basically impossible to go outside. And I've been kind of alone for, for a while. I was not sleeping at all during the night because it was waking up every 40 minutes to eat. And it was playing with the dog all night long. <laughs> so the dog was... Uh, kept in another room, but she was crying and the baby as well. After one year and a half, we tried to conceive another baby because I was not sleeping. So I thought, well, if I'm not sleeping, then I can add another baby and not sleep is going to be the same. And that was a game changer because um, she was, uh, when she was born, it was really, really hard. We are far from our family. So I felt, I actually discovered just recently that I got uh, uh, depression during pregnancy that I didn't know it was possible. I thought that depression came only after giving birth. No one told me that it was possible. And I was enraged with myself and I didn't understand why. I was furious with everyone, but mainly with myself. I couldn't understand why, and I tried to figure it out by myself. And I was alone all day long, even if I live with my husband. Uh, he's working all day from 7 to 7, so all my bad thoughts remain with me. And um, so it was not easy. My family lived for hours driving away, and then the coronavirus happened, and... I was basically isolating myself with the second <laughs> with the second child came in to join our family. Everything was messed messed up because she was always always screaming. Everyone blamed myself because I was stressed 
because I was anxious. I was not as anxious as with my first one. But at the same time, I was feeling really, really alone. And I think I might have um, yelled a little bit too much. Actually, I don't think I did. And I blame myself and I want to be better. So that's why I'm here. So I hear you say that you have a four and a six-year-old, Clarissa and Diego. And then you say that you live far from family and then you're often uh, alone. You feel alone often that uh, the feelings that you have, the thoughts that you have, you almost have to keep them to yourself and then deal with the day-to-day -day, uh, on, on your own. Is that, is that, did I hear you right? Perfectly. Like every member of my family or people that I was meeting at the grocery shop or they were like, you should be blessed because you you were finally able to to have two beautiful children. So why are you complaining? You wanted like kinda you wanted the bike so you just need to go on. I I get it. It's just that it should take a village and I'm the village and sometimes it's it's heavy. I, I mean I love them to death. Like I really, really love them. And I love everything about children because I'm passionate. I wanted to be a teacher from when I was four years old. I'm I'm doing I'm giving everything to my job. I'm an early childhood educator and I love each one of the kids so much that when I gave birth to my own kids, I was like I don't love them as much as everyone is except, uh, expecting me to because I love all the children so much that it seems impossible to me to not be blown away by mine. I don't know if I'm able to express myself, but for me it was painful, really painful because not sleeping through the night and having constantly someone screaming in the back while I was trying to comfort the other one. The other one was constantly crying and I was crying too. So it was hard. Go ahead, Rachel. No, I, I just was going to validate you in all of that and, and tell you that it, it makes so much sense. And there is a very big difference between motherhood and child education like whenever you you get to walk away from the children that you work with so if they're screaming all day you still get you your mind knows that a reprieve is coming right that that a break is coming and so it's easier to handle that as someone who used to be an early childhood educator myself i was a private caregiver um, a nanny to a family of five children and i it was it was very different motherhood is is a 24-7 job, whether you are with your children that entire time or you're not. And so I just wanted to validate you in that and also tell you, Marcella and I both struggled with infertility issues. And there, there is this societal pressure that, well, you should be grateful for what you have. So many people, so many women don't ever get the opportunity to actually have children. So for you to complain ever as a mother is just, you're being ungrateful by complaining. That That is not true about you or any mother out there. And I, I hope that our listeners hear that. I think somebody probably needs to hear that today. And, um, you know, that it, 
motherhood is hard. It's hard. And you, you deserve to be able to express that difficulty and be coached through it without someone calling you ungrateful. So thank you. You don't know how much, how much I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Francesca. So I'm with the same, I think the same as Rachel. Uh, motherhood is hard. We can be grateful and at the same time we can complain because it's hard. Um, I want to now, if it's okay, to set an intention for this session. So you said that um, you feel alone, that you feel that you yell and then you don't want to yell and you blame yourself and the sleep deprivation is, is a thing and you're tired and then it's hard to to attend to one of your children when the other one is screaming on the back. So gathering up all that information, if you were to say, okay, I finished this session and I got what I needed, what would that be? What would the intention or the goal be for, uh, for our time together today? Uh, I think it would be to find uh, um, a better way to express myself with with truthfully kindness, like, because I really mean it. Every time I I yell is because I say that what I think is the same thing 10 times over the next, over the past four years. So for me, it's obvious, and maybe they are just trying to, of course, they are trying to um, let me know that is not as they would like to be or they cannot express themselves and i feel like them i feel like if if i cannot express myself with them and i would like the tools to to be able to respond with kind kindness and truthfulness because i want them to to know that i don't know everything and i'm trying my best to learn from every situation because they are teaching me as well how to be a mom because it, even if I'm, I've, I have two children, I'm a first mom because I no one teaches you, right? So I want to be able to look at their face and not see the disappointment when I yell. Mm. So you said that you want to find a better way to express yourself with kindness because your deepest desire is that your children look at you with with the eyes, with loving eyes and not disappointment eyes. Is that what I hear you say? Yes. Of course, it's not every day of our life like that. Most of our days are joyful and we explore outside a lot. But especially like those days when we've been sick for three weeks full and my husband just came back from California because he used to travel a lot. Like he's been three months away this summer. He went in Japan and being alone even more when he travels and being sick, it's, it's really hard on myself because I can't, maybe one of the two is getting better. He wants to go to the daycare or to, or to, to the kindergarten or, or wherever they want. I cannot take them because the other ones, the, the other one is still sick, and I feel um, trapped, trapped. Yes. And then 
during during the afternoon I I I start to yell and and I lose it. Okay. Right. I I'm wondering if those are the situations right now in in parenting where it sounds like when you get exhausted and you feel you know you get into those moments where your child is asking for something that you can't give them and you kind of get into this place of of powerlessness you that's where you yell is that what you're saying that that's where you're more likely to lose your cool yes okay what have you tried so far to solve that so i try to to keep track to to of what i could do during the day and if like i don't like for example screen time or i don't like to give them um food just because they are bored i like to keep track of uh, what they do at school and do it together at home i'm i'm totally believer that they need to rest like of course they would like to to stay up late but the routine for me is really really important and of course they have two different routine now because they have different ages and they don't sleep anymore in the afternoon so the oldest wants to go to bed after her and then if i read to her and then put her to bed then she starts to yell that she is having nightmares so um, I'm trying day by day with if different strategies that apparently they are not working but <laughs> I'm trying to um, to feel them and to hear them and to ask them ask them what not to give them full permission of doing everything they want of course but talking together, I'm trying to really going down to my knee and look looking them in the eyes or finding a solution together. They could be right for all the different ages and I I can actually tell them if I'm too tired to help me as well find an activity that, that can be relaxing for everyone. We try. We tried yoga. We tried meditating. We tried uh, uh, breathing, relaxation. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that you try to keep them on a fairly consistent schedule, having a plan for the day. If they're not able to go to school, you get their schoolwork home. You try to give them at least some rest time during the day, even though they're not napping anymore, because you prioritize rest and. I hear you saying there's a bunch of different ways that you try to connect to them, that you try to feel them, to hear them, to talk to them, to understand them. Um, you've tried meditation, yoga, and a number of other things um, throughout the day. Yeah, They are really different characters. He's, uh, he used to be really cuddly, but um, when... When she joined our family, um, he was really jealous, and uh, he he started to use the diaper again. That is totally normal, totally fine. But then he started to he wanted to be alone when there was he was feeling sad 
he was started to go to the corner and I talked to the teacher at school and was like, why is he doing that? We never put him, we don't use punishment. We don't use the timeout. We don't, we, we don't use that because um, when he stays alone, he came back thinking and talking about something that he thought that is not actually really mm, healthy for his young mind. He started to blame himself. So I wanted to talk to him and to be with him in the moment and not let him his mind travel with play in places that he should not go. At the other side, she is completely like leaving attached me. Like she never leaves my side. Never, never, never. Okay, so you said you said that you've tried many things. And all those things are things that to me sound like things that you're doing for the kids, with the kids, for the kids. Is it okay if we step back for a moment and leave the kids like on, like on the right and then go to the left where you are and think about what's going on for you? So I, I have a question if it's okay. Let's go back to that moment when your child, let's just say Diego, he's needing attention or he's in a tantrum and then you're trying to attend to him and then Clarissa is on the back yelling and screaming. I wonder what's going on for you in your body when that, when that happens. Remember the last time that that happened. How did that feel for you and your body? So it actually makes, makes me want to cry because I... I can read in his eyes uh, that I'm neglecting him. And I don't want to do that. That I'm trying my best, but still at the same time, I'm not, I, I'm not enough for him. Because he would like more. He would just like, even if just talking, but it's not enough because I don't have enough time to give to him or to her separately. Because of course we are the three of us. When I was pregnant with her, <clears throat> a seven-month pregnant, I started to feel that rage. And at that time, my husband left me because he told me, um, you are different now. I don't like it anymore. So actually, we started to argue a lot. And he left me when she was um, four months old. And I went completely numb it, make, it makes sense why you say that you so, feel alone that you feel trapped now we are actually working through everything our relationship i at the time i asked i actually begged him to not leave not because um not because of me i just wanted the kids to be to grow in a family that in a complete family, right? Like, I'm 34, but we've been together 18 years. He's, he's my first love, and I'm his from what he tells me. And for me, it was everything, family. Diego loved him, and Clarissa, if he would have left at that time, she would, she would, have, would have known him, right? So... 
I kept going, trying my best, but I was fainting in the house while I was with her. And I was still alone. I was ashamed. I didn't tell anyone at the time. Now it's getting better. But I, I, I constantly have the pressure or the fear that I damaged them for forever. I hear you saying, wow, like, I hear you say that I feel I'm neglecting them. Yes. I'm trapped. I'm not enough. I'm alone. You say that a lot. I feel ashamed. So out of all the things that you said, I heard one feeling. I feel ashamed. And I, and I heard several beliefs. When you say, I feel like I'm neglecting him, that's not a feeling. You are believing that. You believe that you are neglecting them. When you say, I'm not enough, it, that's not a feeling. You are believing you are not enough for your kids. When you say, I damaged them, that's not a, a feeling. That's, you believe that. Me repeating that back to you, how does that feel in your body? That was my first question. How does that feel in your body? For example, you said that you feel ashamed and fearful. For me, shame and fear, I feel in my stomach. I feel a tightness in my stomach. Some people feel it on their chest. Some people feel it on their jaws. Some people feel it on their back. Where, does, where do you feel shame, loneliness, and fear? In my stomach and in the back of my brain. Like if I have to faint or throw up. I've been to a therapist. We've been couple therapying. We've been working on ourselves and our family for for years. Yeah. But as you say, my beliefs are deeper. I'm curious personally to know whenever you are in this moment again where Diego is asking to go to school but he can't because Clarissa is still sick and the school doesn't allow that and he's expressing frustration and he's looking at you with this frustration in his eyes and you are feeling shame in your body so much so that it's literally making you nauseous in your body. You feel it in your stomach. You, you feel it in the back of your brain, you said. And your brain is saying, he, he feels like I'm neglecting him. Like I can see it in his eyes that I'm neglecting him. I'm, I'm not enough for him. When you are believing that about yourself, how do you show up in that moment when Diego's asking to go to school? It's like if I have two different personalities. So one is me as a mom. And one is me as a teacher. So at that time, when I see that face, I become the teacher. The lovely, the lovingly mom teacher. Like, I love him, of course. I talk to him as a mom. But I, I, I became a teacher. Like, I do a lot of crafts. I read to them a lot about specific things that they ask me. Not only... Not only about school things, but uh, I try to invent a new recipe 
that we are making together, we make dinner together, so they can be proud of themselves. And they can achieve something and remember the day. They love to look at the at picture in the album photo that we take, like even we took years past. So we take a lot of pictures of everything we do and we try to print them as much as we can. And we have a library where we where we keep our memories because we don't use a screen time or I don't give them the my cell phone. So the only way they can see the pictures are with the album. That's so great that you are um, you are trying to make the most of it. And now and as well, you are trying to make the most of it with these beliefs. So I wonder when you are trying to make the crafts and then, and then okay, you cannot go to school, but let's do this and let's do that. And then you're still believing that whatever you're doing with Diego is not enough and that you're trapped. I wonder what, how Diego is receiving those moments when you show up from that belief system. Well, if I talk to the teacher or if I talk to my mom when he's with her, I'm, of course, I think it's normal because I'm his mom, but he, he always says that I'm the best, that no one has a mom, that because I do a job that I can take them. So in the afternoon when, when they are in school, I'm going by myself, but every afternoon they can come with me. And of course, there we are cooking, we are making more crafts, we are dancing, singing, and they are having the time of their life. Basically, it's a party every day for them. And they are my kids, so all the other kids are venerating them, like, whoa! <laughs> so they love it. And they never asked to go to daddy's job. I think they know that they, they are not allowed anyways because it's not a place for kids. But still, they, they love everything I do and I can't um, accept it. So I think, I think that what you're trying to make me say is that I I'm not I think that I'm not enough for them and I am for their point of view. Mm. Well I I want to clarify and make sure that you know uh Marcella and nor I want we're not trying to make you say anything. There's nothing that we <laughs> that we want to we want to help you explore this um and to maybe shift perspective of of what's happening. And then essentially what Marcella is saying is that when you are believing about yourself, you believe about yourself that you are not enough and you're not doing enough and that you're all alone and that you're actually a neglectful mother. Those are the beliefs that you told us. Um, and not maybe overall, but in these moments where there's certain moments where these beliefs start to surface and 
what I think Marcella was was trying to explore is let's let's like put ourselves in Diego's shoes in this moment where you are sad. Let's say you're a six-year-old little boy and you're sad that you can't go to a place that you really love. And you're frustrated and you express that to your mama, but your mama has these beliefs about herself that she is not enough, that she's not doing enough for you, that she's alone, that she's neglecting you. And so she moves into this, out of that belief system, mama moves into action from the belief that she's not enough. And she starts doing all of these things like a teacher rather than a mommy. What might that be like for Diego? Like if, if we were to look at that from his perspective and, and let's say it might, I think it might help to identify what his need may be in that moment. So what I'm trying to do is to always go back to the intention of the session. So the intention of the session, you said, I want to find better ways to express myself with kindness because as much as I try, I end up lashing out, I end up yelling. So the reason why we're asking you all these questions is because there is a pattern there. It doesn't matter how much you try, you always end up in that, on that place. So we are asking you questions to reveal what the pattern is that takes you there, right? And the pattern, it always comes from beliefs that we have about ourselves and beliefs that we have about our, about our children. And those beliefs, don't, we, they don't come to our mind, like we don't put them in our mind or on our own. They come from the way we were raised. So it's not that you are not enough. It's not that you are neglecting your child. It is not that you are, a, in, in fact, trapped and alone. Somebody put those beliefs in you. And then now you are parenting from that, from those beliefs. And then, it, and then it's putting you in this cycle of I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying until I lash out and until I yell. I have a brother, an older brother. He's three years older than me. And from forever that I remember, I was not enough because... I was struggling in first grade, of course. He was older, and his grade was more difficult. I know. And when we were trying to play a game, I was not able to play volleyball in the same way he was playing with me because no one teaching me at that time. And so he got frustrated every time. So he was trying to make me play another game. And no one teaching me that either at that time. So he kept on being frustrated for every single thing he was trying to make me do. And basically, from grade schools or games or having fun together, I was not the funny sister. So he preferred to do something else. And you were trying so hard, right? So hard. Yes. And then it, it didn't matter how much you made. It didn't matter how much you tried. It, it was not enough. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I actually just connected. So I, I do connect it. And 
I can see how much frustrating it can be, even from my kids' point of view, because one time they can wake up one day and I can be all smiley, but then something triggers me and I start to yell and I don't think they understand the trigger. Or maybe they can they can think to be my trigger. And that's not fair to them. And it's not true. Yeah, yeah. I that's that's what I see. And I'm glad that I'm glad that Marcella brought that up about your past and because those patterns are created whenever we're younger. Um and so what, what, what we see the pattern being right now is there was this pattern in childhood where you tried to be enough and were told or treated as though you weren't enough and weren't doing enough. So you tried more to be enough and to do enough and it still wasn't enough. So you tried more and you tried more and it wasn't enough and there was this, this pattern. And so a belief was created of no matter what I do, I'm not going to be enough. And that may be tucked way back there in the subconscious mind, right? That it's not even really a conscious thought. But when you get into this moment where you see your child's frustration, your brain is recalling your brother's frustration and attaching the same belief system to your child's frustration of, I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'll never be enough. I'm neglecting my child. I'm alone in this. And you then move into your action from that place is to try to do more and to be more. And I think Diego is just simply looking for what you needed to in your childhood. So when you're, when you were trying to do enough or um, when you were trying to be enough for your brother, what was your need when you were a child? To be seen as the person that I was because I was trying my best. You were enough. I guess so, but I, I still every it's, it, it's kind of new. I'm just I just need to adjust my thoughts. Yeah. Yes, and that's the process that we're in right there, and we'll we'll we're gonna get to the solution part of this where where we do explore a new belief and we do explore how to actually show up in the moment and handle your own thoughts and your own anger and all of that. We'll, we will get to that point. You just simply needed to be, you needed to, to believe that you were enough and you probably just, the, it, what I'm hearing is like your need whenever you were a child was to belong and to connect with your brother. You were just simply trying to connect by being enough and doing enough for him. And I think that you needed validation in that. And so I think it, I, I'm curious to know if you think it's possible for Diego, because you are a good mommy and you have connected in many moments with him. Is it possible that his frustration when he can't go to school has 
nothing to do with you or your parenting, but it simply has to do with him wanting to express how he's feeling and what he's needing to you because he feels safe. So next week, we are going to continue with Francesca on our coaching session. Yes, it's going to be part two. She already unveiled what her limiting belief is that is holding her down and keeping her in the reactivity parenting. And next week, we are going to create new expansive beliefs and move towards softening her cycle so she can eventually break her generational pattern and find transformation in her parenting. If you received any value from this episode, I encourage you to leave us a review and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Heimpel Club, The Considered Mama on Instagram and TikTok. If you are an HIC cycle breaker, meaning that if you have any of our products, I encourage you to join us on our private Facebook group, HIC Cycle Breakers, where there we have a private community full of people who are in the same journey, on the same journey as you, supporting one another. And remember that it only takes understanding to transform your parenting. Bye.